And welcome to episode 80 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly, and we're here again on a Sunday night with Steve, Steve Arino Butler. And we're going to talk to you about the free agent signings that went down the first week of NFL free agency and how it could impact either negatively or positively uh, to your fantasy football team heading into 2018. And also just talking about uh, mine and Steve's reactions of, of free agency in a nutshell. So, uh, Steve Arino, last night was St. Patrick's Day. How you feeling this morning? A little, little froggy? A uh, little froggy. Foggy? A lot of water <laughs> intake. Uh, it's been, the struggle is real. St. Patty's Day after mm. the age of 30 has, has really gone downhill. Right, yeah. It's, it, I, like, don't even want to go out anymore, but uh, I just feel like I just, to, to save my, to save face in some sort, I got to go out. But uh, yeah. it's funny, Steve, you, I mean, you probably get mistaken for an Irishman all the time with your fair skin and red hair. Uh, that's a hot take. Starting out with a hot take. <laughs> I am not Irish, actually. Uh, and it, in fact, I won a bet with you in college that I was Italian. Did. You didn't believe me. You did. We, we called your mother. <laughs> we, we did. Redheaded Italian here. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. Uh, yeah, lots of, um, lots of, uh, double IPAs were being drank last night. How do you oh, feel about that, Steve? Those are delicious, but that's not really an Irish beer. So I was, I was drinking the Guinness. The car bombs mm. and uh, some Great Lakes Conway's Irish Ale. Oh wow, Conway's, huh? Yeah. Never had that one before. So, you, oh, you're so you're ripping shots too of the Bailey's and the JMO. Yeah, several Irish car bombs just because you oh. have to. I can't do that anymore. Oh. I, I mean, I, Jameson's been ruined for me because my old roommate down in Boston used to serve me warm or used to get me warm uh, shots of Jameson at the bar at like one thirty in the morning and I would always be on the verge of puking every time I took it but I I, I meant mentally I just didn't I didn't uh, didn't chuck chuck up my lunch or whatever those so, are not uh, fond memories no no um so let's talk about NFL free agency what's some of your uh, hot takes out the gate about what went down in the first few days of NFL free agency well we were talking earlier I am uh, I use the term uninspired by activity I know you've got some excitement on a few players, but as I look at all the moves that happen, I, I just don't feel a lot of a lot of significant movement in in from a fantasy perspective the players' values. Right. Um, there's a few here and there, but I don't I don't I don't see that signature big big move that that gets me excited. Allen Robinson to the Chicago doesn't do it for you. So it it did for a second, and then I realized Mitch Trubisky <laughs> was the quarterback. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, and I and I also, I also feel like some of the uh, some of the 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 luster of the shine was lost because you know on Monday and Tuesday so many different uh, new, news items broke or whatever, and then by the time we got to Wednesday, it was like okay, this is all the feels like all the second tier guys were signing. Yeah. Um, but no, I heard you saying. I mean, you know, I think that this is probably um, one of the biggest, if not. The biggest uh, free agency for quarterbacks, obviously, with Kirk Cousins signing with Minnesota to a almost fully guaranteed deal, but um, or actually it was fully guaranteed, right? Three years, eighty-four million or something for fully guaranteed, something uh, like that. Yeah, I don't know fully, but a lot. Yeah. yeah. Either way, he's gonna be a very lot. rich man. But uh, so I think for for quarterbacks, we definitely saw a huge shuffle. Uh, but you know, obviously, after. Guys like Jarvis Landy, Allen Robinson, and Sammy Watkins, the wide receiver core was pretty was pretty bleh. Uh, but we'll talk about some of those wide receivers later on. But I think before we really get into uh, the hot takes we have for all of our listeners, the NEG uh, podcast f- fanhood, um, Danny Woodhead retired. It's a tough I, I, day for me. 
I feel like we should be playing the uh, the Irish song "Oh Danny Boy" here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Burris edit that in, but yeah. uh, man, okay. So so embrace debate. Was Danny Woodhead the best white running back ever in fantasy football? Wow. Yeah, wow. you didn't give me time to prepare for that one. <laughs> uh, I want to say yes, only because I, mean, I can't think of that many. <laughs> I mean, Toby Gerhardt, Merrill Hodge. <laughs> Merrill Hodge. Um, uh, John Kuhn, maybe. Um, I'm trying to think of well, anybody that I used in Tecmo Super Bowl that might have been. Mike Allstott? Caucasian. <laughs> yeah, um, he's well, got to I mean, be the best. He's got to be, but I think Christian McCaffrey will, will take over that spot soon enough, but... Uh, yeah, you know, Danny Woodhead was uh, near and dear to my heart. I took him, I traded for him in our dynasty league from you. I got him off your hands, which ended up being a terrible move by me. Uh, it's basically, I think, Zay Jones for Danny Woodhead. That didn't work out very well. Straight but, up. But, um, yeah, it's too bad. You know, I, I, it seems like he was getting some interest from the Patriots and the Falcons, but it just wasn't enough interest. So, uh, you know, farewell, Danny. Um, you know, it feels like you just, just broke onto the scene and, and you yeah. know, you know, broke into my heart. Is but. he the the first and only player to be made famous by Hard Knocks? <laughs> no, Chris Hogan was made famous oh, by okay. Hard Knocks. Always open Seven <laughs> Eleven. So again, again, Patriot players. But uh, but I guess the good news though is the Patriots might as well just be given the Lombardi Trophy now because Jeremy Hill signed with them, and obviously he's going to turn into you know. They're going to get his bus ready for Can- Canton just because of the signing. So, I mean, how great of a signing is Jeremy Hill to the Patriots, Steve? Yeah, so the only thing that's more annoying than your Patriots fandom is your love for Jeremy Hill. And now <laughs> worlds are colliding, and I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And the sad, was, part, uh, the sad part about it is he's probably now going to have some career resurgence that's going to negate all the bad things we've said about him over the years. <laughs> we all have our players that we just absolutely love and we can't explain it. And and my affinity goes back to Jeremy Hill because I got him uh, in our Dynasty League for cheap and he had that breakout rookie season. It really didn't, didn't do anything after that. But, um, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on him. But with not a lot in front of him on the depth chart in New England, I mean, you know a lot about Mike Gillisley. He obviously failed in New England in year one, but he'll be around for year two. Does Jeremy Hill have an opportunity for early down roll in in New England? It seems like he does. I, I'm not sure why the Patriots didn't like Gillisley or vice versa, why that didn't work out, because I think Gillisley's a good player. But uh, they signed Hill for a reason, and I think he's got a chance to get some work. And I'm also wondering about the uh, the touchdowns, the red zone. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Hill is going to punch in like six or seven random touchdowns just to piss me right. off. Right, right. And it's interesting, too, because they brought back Rex Burkhead to a three-year deal, and they still have James White. So uh, that, again, once again, that running back group will be a mess, and you probably won't figure out who's the stud until, yeah. you know, week eight when it's too late. So don't worry about come draft time, but worry about it when we uh, get into the midseason uh, podcast. But yeah. let's get into some of the quarterbacks and some of the favorite signings that we had at all positions um, I want to hear who you think was the best signing, uh, not only from a fantasy football standpoint, but also from just an NFL standpoint at quarterback. Well, it's not a uh, exciting statement to say, but I think it's obviously Cousins. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a bland statement, but he was the best player on the market uh, at the position, and he's going to a team that uh, almost made it to the Super Bowl, so that's a nice match. Uh, Cousins... His stats have been like clockwork, uh, playing for the Redskins, and the Vikings are a lot better than the Redskins. 
Uh, yeah. Case, <laughs> Case Keenum could throw for 3,500 yards and 23 touchdowns or whatever it was on an annual basis. Uh, I think Cousins should have no problem continuing to throw for 4,000 yards, 27, 28 touchdowns, and maybe even more. Yeah. The interesting thing, I read a stat where um, last year uh, Kirk Cousins really struggled on uh, plays where the, the, the pocket broke down and he had to scramble and get away and, and make a play. Um, and Case Keenum excelled at that, apparently, according to the stat. So, interestingly enough, if the Vikings' offensive line struggles and it's just a patchwork offensive line like it kind of was last year, then maybe we might not see Kirk Cousins, you know, having that 4,000 yards again. And we might be overblowing his potential uh, 2018 output. But... Uh, that that's a big what if, and I mean I I totally agree with you. I, I do like the the Kirk Cousins signing, and I just I love how it helps Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, and Stephon Diggs in fantasy next year too. But my favorite signing, I think, uh, at quarterback has to be Case Keenum because it simply saves the fantasy value of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, who we saw both those guys take a huge hit last year, not just because of injury, but also because of quarterback play. Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler were all god awful. Um, so I really like Case Keenum. Do you think he might be a low-end QB1 this year, or is he going to be back to the journeyman that we've been seeing for the past few years? Somewhere in between there is, is where I think. Um, I guess I'm wondering how the Broncos' situation is different or better than what he had in Minnesota and why he would have a different result than he did in Minnesota, which was good but not great. Um, right. And I don't think would have. I don't think I considered him a QB1 uh, last year, but yeah, he's got two good receivers, but he had two good receivers there. They had a better running game in Minnesota than Denver has had. Uh, somewhat depends what Denver does at five. Uh, but I don't know. I think, yeah. I think he is what he is and you're going to get that exact same amount. Yeah, that, that top of that draft keeps on getting crazier and crazier. Uh, the jets moved up to three. They traded a bunch of second-round picks in the fifth overall pick, or sixth overall pick, to the Colts. And the Colts move back. Obviously, they're not going to take a quarterback. But it's getting wild. It's getting crazy at the top of the draft here. We have no idea what the Browns are going to do at one. No idea what they're going to do at four if they keep that pick. So uh, it will be interesting to see what they do at quarterback in the draft. But sticking with the position, I want to talk about my least favorite signing, and that has to be Sam Bradford to the Cardinals. I understand that Bradford had that great week one before he got hurt and then Case Keenum took over, but what 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 direction are the Cardinals going here? I mean, you're giving Sam Bradford, I think he got paid like $15 million, and you know he's not going to make it past week three or four. I mean, obviously they brought in Mike Glennon too because they know that Bradford's eventually going to get hurt, but what was the point of signing Sam Bradford to that contract? One, one more year of Larry Fitzgerald having 100, 100 catches before he retires? Well, they had they had limited options because uh, they lost out on everybody else. Uh, and where they're picking in the draft, I don't think they're getting a guy who's ready. So they almost had no choice. Um, yeah. And they do have some talented players there. So it's possible that Bradford could turn in a decent performance for the 10 games that he can make it on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like it was more like they had to do something. And this was the only option that was available. I mean, what else were they going to do? Right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, yeah, either you blow it up and start from scratch or I guess you try to contend one more year 
while you still have your elite guy like Larry Fitzgerald there. I just think it's it's we know what Sam Bradford is. Why do teams keep on giving him money? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, who's your uh, who's your pick for for least favorite quarterback? Well, I wanted to say Mike Glennon actually, <laughs> but <laughs> he's so low impact. I didn't put him down. But uh, you want to talk about why are teams giving Bradford money? What Mike Glennon has made a mint uh, to do literally nothing in his career, and he, here he's collecting eight million more to be a horrible backup. But uh, <laughs> so he would would have been my pick. But I actually uh, I think I would put my uh, hometown Bills McCarron. Oh wow! Um, I actually I like the contract. It's a low risk signing, but from a fantasy perspective, uh, the team doesn't have the weapons they need, and it seems clear they're going to use a bunch of their assets to move up to get his replacement, anyways, uh, another quarterback. So he's going to be in a, a rough situation, I think, with not a lot of playmakers around him, and basically keeping the seat warm for a top tier. Uh, rookie quarterback. So yeah, we're, yeah the, the Bills got a ton of ammo to move up. I I, th- I think they're going to move up, um, but I think you know that I also have this frightening thought that they actually like Nate Peterman and think, <laughs> think he's the guy. So is it possible that they roll with McCarron and Peterman? Uh, God, I hope not. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! Um, Bills, what are they going to do at wide receiver? Are they going to sign, re-sign Jordan Matthews? Is Kelvin Benjamin going to be around? I mean, what's what's their plan at wide receiver? I think Benjamin's going to be around. Um, I think they would have cut him by now because they could have saved a lot of money by cutting him. Right. And they didn't. Right. And he just got – he's back and he's ready to play. Um, so I think he sticks around. Jordan Matthews, I doubt, sticks around. And see, this is – I keep coming back to – I don't know what they're going to do with their assets. If they're going to use them all to move up for a quarterback <laughs> – they don't have much left to get a receiver. Um, but if they don't take a quarterback, I could see them taking a receiver at 12 or 20, 22. Um, yeah. Which which is why I sort of think it's possible that they roll with McCarron and Peterman and use those picks to draft some of their <laughs> other needs. Uh, oh, they did go in with Peterman as their backup last year, so yeah, it's very possible. Hey, breaking news, Steve. Breaking news. Oh. My, my bracket's busted. Oh. Mine is Cincinnati not. loses. Yes. Cincinnati loses. Love it. Uh, shout out to our, our good friend Nick Schillig at Nick and Akron. He loves hearing about people's brackets get busted. Loves it. <laughs> well, uh, there's been a lot of that today and yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it's not a hot take that my brackets game busted. I had Arizona winning it all. So, um, yeah. <laughs> University of Buffalo took them down. The dancing, the dancing buffaloes. Um, <laughs> That's not what they're called at all. <laughs> I know, but I wanted. To, I, I feel like that was your name one year or something like that. Yeah, our, I think it uh, might have been a bracket. <laughs> um, so let's switch over to another position. We have a lot of movement in the running back position. Um, different guys going different places that were some were confusing, some made a ton of sense. We talked about my favorite signing because I just wasn't a fan of any of them, really. In Rex Burkhead to New England, he had a, a solid role in New England at the end of the season when he was healthy. But uh, you have you have an interesting take on your favorite running back signing, so let's hear it. Yeah, everybody that I've talked to, everything that I've read, hates this signing, and I love it. Uh, Carlos Hyde to the Browns. I'm a fan of the signing, and I, I think there's upside there. Um for a lot of reasons, but uh, from what I'm reading, nobody thinks it's it's a good a good play, partially because a lot of his fantasy points last year were from catching the ball, uh, mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen in Cleveland with, with Duke Johnson there, but 
Isaiah Crowell averaged 4.4 yards per carry behind that offensive line. Uh, it's a really good offensive line. And they added a It's block- getting better, too. Yeah, it is. And they added a blocking tight end as well. And they brought Tyrod Taylor over not to throw the ball 38 <laughs> times a game. <laughs> okay? They brought him over. They're going to run the ball. So last year, I think the Browns threw the ball 62% of the time, probably because they were down all the time. But right. um, that is not what this offense is going to be. Uh, they're going to run the – they're probably going to flip that. Well, I mean, not, not flip it, but 50-50 or something. So there's going to be a lot more carries to be had. And if Isaiah Crowell could average 4.4 yards per carry behind that, uh, I'm confident that Hyde can get 240, 250 touches, average 4.3, 4.4, 4.5 yards per carry. And if he does that, you're looking at 1,000, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, and that's a that's a good season. Yeah, it's a solid RB2 for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I really like the Hyde, the Hyde signing. Uh, it was Shocked me. I didn't expect that whatsoever. It kind of came out of nowhere when that uh, five year or three or fifty million dollar deal came out of it. But uh, I think that's a great fit. I think he is a more talented Crowell, so I, uh, you know, think that's an improvement for the squad. However, there's obviously with uh, Carlos Hyde comes the the injury concerns uh, that they got to keep an eye on. But there's still a ton of running backs available. Uh, like Garrett Blunt actually just signed with the Lions, so he's off the board. Uh, we mentioned my guy Jeremy Hill, stud, patriot, you know, he's going to rush for 2,000 yards next year. Um, but what about DeMarco Murray? We haven't really heard much about DeMarco. He's supposedly going to have a meeting with Miami on Monday. I'm surprised that his market hasn't been a little bit hotter. I know he has struggled last year, at least with injuries and just being productive. But are you shocked that he hasn't gotten more looks considering he was, two years ago, a uh, sure thing top five running back? I'm a little surprised, um, although I do feel like he's clearly on the downswing. But uh, a team, a contending team who has a need for maybe a committee running back approach, why not bring him in? He's, he's still only 30. Uh, he's got a lot of miles on him, but he could he could split carries and be a, be a decent player for you. So I am a little bit surprised. And meanwhile, Frank Gore seems to have more of a market than, uh, yeah. than Murray does, and he's <laughs> – He's like 65 years 30, old at this point. He's almost, he's <laughs> almost 35, and somehow he's still getting people to talk to him, yet DeMarco Murray can't can't uh, even get a meeting with anybody but the Dolphins. Yeah. And I think if, if DeMarco goes to the Dolphins, that's such a huge uh, waste. Again, it's, it's, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, about I don't know what the hell the Dolphins are doing and what direction they're going in, but um, I think if DeMarco goes there, it's just – it's a waste because they have, already have a good young back in Kenyon Drake who played very well at the end of the season last year, and I think he should be the featured back there, and he should be spelled by uh, Damien Williams, who I believe – actually, he, he might be a free agent. They might they might not re-sign him, but um, I, I just don't think you need DeMarco Murray in that locker room. But um, this now takes me to our next topic on what the hell were they thinking signing, and that's Jarek McKinnon to the 49ers. I get it. He's an athletic freak. He he. If you look at his combine scores and over at negpodcast.com, I talked about uh, this in the free agency live blog. But his combine scores make him look like an athletic freak. He he had the top marks for everything for running backs, but he just hasn't done it on the field. And he's been in the league for four years. I mean, he's never really had more than two hundred plus touches in a season. He's never stayed healthy. He was obviously great last year in spurts when Dalvin Cook got hurt. But what the hell are the 49ers doing giving him four years, $30 million? That was a ridiculous contract. 
Uh, I don't understand it. Handpicked by Shanahan, I take it. Uh, yeah. When there's tons of options out there, I can't. I can't believe that this was the one that he that he wanted. But and to spend that much money on it, uh, I think it's crazy. I think that people are going to be all over McKinnon because Shanahan's running backs always carry value. Um, right. But I don't get it, and I and I I have no interest in McKinnon. Uh, the I do at it. I do at a price. It, there's definitely a price point to it. Like I was looking at uh, different dynasty leagues, and you know, would you give up the tenth overall rookie pick for him right now? No. Well, wow. Okay. I, I so you. So early, early second, early second round rookie uh, pick. I don't know. I don't know if I would. His career yards per carry is three point four. Right. That's not yeah. very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now, I also don't think he's going to get. All the sh- all the touches. I think he's going to be probably the primary guy, but Brida, I think, still going to get touches. Or if they bring somebody else in, it'll be kind of like Freeman and uh, Coleman, and except Coleman. that he's yeah. not as good as Freeman or Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing too is it is actually if you look at the contract numbers, it's really a one-year, ten million dollar deal. Yeah, and then a, a bunch of outs for for the Niners. But also they got Joe Williams coming back. We talked about Joe Williams God. a couple weeks ago. You love him. <laughs> um, he. And that's another guy that was handpicked by Shanahan. So uh, you're right. I think McKinnon probably won't see all of the touches, but he's getting he's the third highest paid running back in the league right now. So you got to figure that they're not going to not give him the ball 20 times a game. Well, what does 20 times a game at 3.4 yards per carry get you? That's 680 yards. <laughs> not very good. <laughs> true. Very true. What uh what signing did you did you not like at the running back position? Well, I had that down. I really did not like the McKinnon signing uh, at all um, for the reasons that we just discussed. But that's the one that that stuck out to me. I also didn't like the Deion Lewis signing. Uh, we can talk about that. I'm surprised it took us this long. But <laughs> as a Derrick Henry owner in the midst of a rebuild, right. that was a real kick in the balls. Well, let's 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 uh, peel the curtain back and t- for our listeners and tell them about our trade negotiations that we were having about Derrick Henry while the news talking about, while the news broke. <laughs> <laughs> right, talking about talking about me giving up the ninth overall rookie pick again. It's a salary cap league. We won't go into the specifics, but the ninth rookie pick for Derrick Henry seemed like a fair trade. Steve wanted a little bit more. I was ready to give, and then I get the notification on my phone that Deion Lewis signs with. The Tennessee Titans, and all of a sudden, Steve just kind of starts <laughs> backpedaling was, a little bit. <laughs> I was actually in the midst of leveraging our deal for a better deal with somebody else for pick seven. Uh, he went it. silent, and next thing you know, Deion Lewis <laughs> to Tennessee. Yes. So, so with Deion Lewis to Tennessee, though, where do you first off? What do you expect Deion Lewis's role to be? And also, what do you think that does to Derrick Henry's fantasy value in 2018 and 2019? I guess. Well, I guess I am just blinded by my bias, but obviously <laughs> it hurts Henry's status. But I still believe Henry is going to run for a thousand yards, and I still think he's going to score six or seven touchdowns, which makes him still an RB two of quality. Um, right. So I don't think he's dead. Uh, I just think the hype train has taken a bit of a derailment. Uh, <laughs> what Deion Lewis is going to do, I think is a little, a little more unclear to me. Uh, it feels like a Darren Sproles situation, but they paid him a lot of money. So yeah. I'm not sure you'd pay all that money for a Darren Sproles like situation, but uh, Lewis in on passing downs, Lewis returning kicks, 
Lewis with some random runs. Maybe they're going to run some option. I could see that. Um, I don't know. He probably. I think it's up in the air, but maybe if if Henry's going to get 15 carries a game, maybe Lewis gets nine or ten carries and four or five catches. I don't know. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, I think so. Um, I I think you you brought up a good point. The option. Um, I think that Dion Lewis fits into Mariota's strengths a little bit better than Derrick Henry does. I think you can spread the field a little bit more with Dion Lewis, uh, run a few more stretch plays than you could with Derrick Henry. Um, so I, I do actually think that Mariota is going to enjoy working with Lewis a little bit more than Henry. I just it's just such a weird signing. It's such a weird, weird signing. It's one of those ones that every year you you see that. Like last year, it was Adrian Peterson to the Saints. I was like, that's that's a terrible move. What the hell are they thinking? Right. This year, it's not as bad because I still think Dion Lewis will have value. And again, we're kind of looking at this more of a, a fantasy with fantasy frames versus NFL frames. I guess on the field, Dion Lewis just helps the Tennessee Titans immensely. It's just us greedy fantasy owners yes. want as many yards as possible. I, I agree with that. And I was just riding the Derrick Henry playoff performance wave, and it's all come <laughs> crashing down. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll continue the negotiations offline, uh, or maybe maybe we even do like a special podcast one of these days where it's just us negotiating and bitching at each other about not being able to get a deal done live, <laughs> live. Yeah, that'd be wow. thrilling. A thrilling podcast. We should have been chronicling our negotiations in Iceland that prompted my franchise to implode. <laughs> the first ever three team trade that went down outside of U.S. soil. Yes. <laughs> um. All right, let's switch over to wide receiver. <clears throat> um, listen, I know you don't love it, but I like Allen Robinson to the Bears. I know that Mitch Trubisky is, you know, still a very young quarterback, but I think we're starting to see a trend here in the NFL where teams draft their quarterback, let them fall flat in their face with no weapons, and then they just build around them the next year. You saw that happen with the the Eagles. Um, you saw that happen with the Rams. Uh, I think that we're starting to see this possibly with the Bears as they not only added Robinson, but they also added Trey Burton. Um, They also added Taylor Gabriel. Kevin White might be coming back. Who knows with him? But they got some playmakers in Chicago, and that could potentially turn Trubisky into a a streaming option next year and, and a really nice asset in Dynasty Leagues. And with Robinson, I just simply think he didn't want to be in Jacksonville anymore because... I don't think he wanted to play with Blake Bortles. And here he's got the chance to come back, be the man, be the focal point of the offense. And I think it's a great signing. I do like the signing. I just uh, I have Trubisky fears. Um, right. So if Trubisky winds up being this year's Jared Goff, uh, then that's a, great, that's a great play there for Allen Robinson. But coming off an injury and joining Mitch Trubisky – that's the risk that I see from a fantasy perspective. From a football perspective, it's a, it's a great signing. They're surrounding him with talent. Um, Robinson is still extremely young. Uh, right. Which like 25, I think? Yeah, it feels like he's been in the league for a long time, but yeah. uh, he, he hasn't. Um, so, yeah, it's a good signing. I just didn't have it as high mainly because of those two risks. you got a an athletic receiver coming off a, of a pretty significant injury, and you got a quarterback with some question marks. Right. But – you're now on your favorite uh, signing. You have a quarterback, some question marks. You also have a guy who <laughs> always has an injury. Uh, so tell tell the people who your wide receiver signing is. I like 
the Sammy Watkins signing, and I what? I don't really know why, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing Mahomes, who's supposed to be this incredible athletic quarterback with a huge arm, right? Yeah. Um, and Tyreek Hill, not really a downfield threat, right? Um, like a well, I mean he, I mean he is after to catch, a point after the catch. He, yeah, yeah. He's a yak master. <laughs> uh, I mean, they do have a lot of weapons, so that's one one thing to be concerned about. But I'm just picturing Watkins streaking down the field with Mahomes' big arm and making two to three big plays a game. Yeah. And, yeah. and, I, and I like that. I, I feel like that we, you know, I, I listen, I love the signing too. I love them surrounding Pat Mahomes with talent. Obviously, Andy Reid produces fantasy-friendly offenses. All of his quarterbacks are always top-tier fantasy options. But are we putting too many eggs in the basket for Pat Mahomes, like being this all-of-a-sudden fantasy yes. stud next year? Yes, we okay. are. Because yes. <laughs> I've, I've seen his value shoot through the roof everywhere. I mean, he's he's being drafted as a top-six, top-seven dynasty quarterback. Um, in, in two QB leagues, he's going in like the first two rounds of startup drafts. I mean... I want to believe. I think he's going to be great, but I'm remember, guilty. he's been a project guy. I am guilty. Uh, just his his the tools that he has, they get you. And then you yeah. put him in that offense with those right. skill players and that coach, and it's really hard not to not to go there. But we're yeah. going to find out I, I can, soon. We will. We will. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I mean, and he looked great in preseason. Uh, like you said, he's got the skills. He's athletic. Uh, so. We'll see. Was to Sammy Watkins, you know, I hope he's good. I, I've been rooting for him. Uh, he's finally going to be in a pass happy offense. Well, he was in a pass happy offense, pass happy offense last year in LA. But I think that he was a, a product of just missing out a lot of the the free agency, uh, or I'm sorry, preseason, and and missing a ton of time getting in, in sync with Jared Goff and guys like Cooper Cup and um, uh, Robert Woods. Pass him on the depth chart. But uh, I think that if you know in a full off season with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, I, I agree that Sammy Watkins could be a good boomer bust player in fantasy. High risk, high reward. Yeah, uh, he could be a stud or he could just kind of poo poo. So we'll see. Um, speaking of poo poo, I want to talk about what happened with Ryan Grant and his contract with the Ravens because he signed a four year, twenty nine million dollar contract, and I looked at that deal. I was like, what the hell are the Ravens doing? They've always been cash strapped, and then all of a sudden they just give this nobody. I mean, granted, Ryan Grant was one of the more consistent wide receivers in Washington last year, which isn't really saying much, but he's not good. Like he's he's a very marginal player. And he got twenty nine million dollars. And then all of a sudden, Michael Crabtree becomes available, and the Ravens magically fail Ryan Grant on his physical. And that deal is voided. And then they sign the deal with Crabtree. And two days later, the Colts sign or the Colts okayed Ryan Grant on their physical. So something shady going so on. So we got in conspiracy theories about I got a here? conspiracy theory. Yes, that <laughs> they're being shady as F in Baltimore. And I want the NFL to look into it, but they won't. We all know they won't. Um, but, anyways, that wasn't, that was my least favorite signing, but. After that got voided, I'm going to go with Albert Wilson to Miami. I know it's, a again, a marginal, marginal move, but they gave him real money. And then they signed Danny Amendola to a two-year, $12 million contract with like $8 million guaranteed. This is after cutting Sue, Cameron Wake, 
um, saying they want a culture change. They, they cut their center pouncey. And now they're just signing an old white wide receiver that was only good in New England and Albert Wilson. I, what the hell are the Dolphins doing? What direction is this dog shit team going? Would it, would it be weird if I said I liked the Albert Wilson signing better than the Amendola signing? I mean, they both stink, you know? They're, they're both <laughs> terrible Wilson, signings. Wilson is what, in his fourth season? Yeah, he's young. He's okay, young. So he's kind of got – he's not good, I agree. But he's gotten better each year. And that fourth season, a lot of times they those receivers take a jump. So you have a shot at something with Wilson, whereas Amendola, I feel like – doesn't fit on Miami unless they think that they're a Super Bowl contender, which yeah. I hate to tell them they are not. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing yeah, I can I, think they're trying to replace what Landry gave them, and I guess that's right. what Amendola does, but uh, he's too old. They, they're they cutting their veterans. They're saving money. They should be going young, and I don't understand the Amendola signing. I like the Wilson signing better. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I get that, and I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, yeah, because you're right. The Amendola signing is like if you need that one more piece to kind of get you over the hump. And they definitely need a hell of a lot more pieces than, than Danny Amendola. Um, so if Albert Wilson ends up being you know a good, solid player, then the deal's worth it because you're right. He's going to – somebody needs to make up those 100-something catches that Jarvis Landry uh, brought to Berea, Ohio. Great, great city, by the way, Berea. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, if you ever visit, uh, visit the Oriole. Best wings in, in, in America. I've said that a few times on the podcast. Um, but the interesting thing, though, so, is, so if you want Albert Wilson to play the slot, you're right. Why are you signing Danny Amendola, who's just going to be fighting him for touches? Because Amendola can't play the outside. And the other thing that seems to always happen is teams believe that when they grab one of these guys from the Patriots, that they're going to get exactly what that player did for the Patriots. Right. But the thing right. is, they did that because of the Patriots system, Tom Brady... <laughs> all that stuff, they're not getting the Amendola that we saw in New England. No, no. So and, I don't, and I don't he, get it. And even then, even then, he got hurt half the time. I mean, the Patriots had to keep him in bubble wrap for the first half of the season to make sure he'd be healthy for the playoffs where he really shined. Yeah. So, yeah, it, how old it's is the Dolph. Is he 40? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I think 32. he's like 34. 32. Going on 32. And this is... Again, as being a fan of a team in the AFC East, you know, you're, you're a Bills fan, I'm a Pats fan. Uh, it's thrilling. I'm thrilled to see the Dolphins make stupid moves like this. Yeah, just... was, they seem to always <laughs> be doing it, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so give me, uh, we're talking wide receivers here, and our least favorite signings. Other than the Amendola, what deals were left you scratching your head? I am still scratching my head over the Paul Richardson deal. Yeah. which I'd like to discuss. He is only 25, so maybe he fits into the exact same thing I was just talking about with uh, Wilson. But five years, 40 mil for Paul Richardson. Uh, yeah. That in its in and of itself is a head-scratcher, and then I just don't understand where he's going to fit. Uh, right. I'm not saying Washington is loaded with amazing talent at receiver, but I do think Crowder has his role pretty well established. Yeah. Um, I would think that Doxson this year has to be the guy um, to maybe get down the field, make some bigger plays. Um, they've got Chris Thompson on the backfield. They've got tight end play. And also they don't have Cousins anymore. They have Alex Smith. Uh, yeah. So I, where is it all coming? Where's the production coming from? I don't see it. Yeah. I, real big head scratcher there. Again, just throwing money at marginal players. Um, 
I would like to see him, you know, maybe go to a team like Atlanta, uh, another wide receiver needy team, just maybe even the Cowboys. Because I think Richardson is a, a pretty solid player, but it's amazing how much money guys can get paid for being really fast. Yeah. Because how often was he on the field? I think this was his first year where he was actually healthy. And it, it's not like he, like, blew the world up. And the guy makes, is making $8 million bucks a year. It's, it's, I expect oh, I expected the Browns to make this move. Actually, <laughs> this does feel like a vintage Browns move. It's a Browns you know? move, like, and they would have done it. They would have done it if not for the Landry deal. <laughs> yes, right, right. So, or or if if Josh Gordon uh, didn't stay away from the marijuana. That's true, but very true. Um. So one more position, we got to talk tight end. I love the Tyler Eifert deal, and by love. I guess I mean there's not a ton out there that I liked more, so I'm just going to overcompensate and say that I love Tyler Eifert re-signing in Cincinnati, only because it's a one-year prove-it deal. He's been injured, didn't play it down last year. But he's going to be the number two pass catcher in Cincinnati because they got nobody else other than A.J. Green. Um, I just think he's got the opportunity to kind of prove himself, and his dynasty value and his, his draft day value is going to be at an all-time low. So I think you can get him for dirt cheap, and he's got the opportunity to be a, a touchdown-dependent, you know, top ten tight end. Uh, are you are you more in line with Tyler Eifert being a a good fantasy option next year or being a bum? Uh, well, he's a risk. I could say that. Um, it's really more about his health than anything else. I mean, he's proven to be a good a good tight end, uh, and like you said, he's he's clearly going to have the opportunity there. Uh, yeah. So I think I lean more towards favoring Eifert than not, but there's certainly risk there on the health side of the equation, I think. that, And also a- Andy Dalton is the quarterback, so that's also something. Uh, <laughs> but he's been he's done well with Dalton before, so I don't right, think that holds right. him back. At least we know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think he's a good player, and I think uh, on a one-year prove-it deal, he'll be uh, playing even harder than he normally would, and you might get, you might get a pretty good season out of him. Yeah. Who do you like at tight end this year? I'm on the Trey Burton train. Um, oh. And I recently traded for him in our Dynasty League. Um, so as much as I've talked down about Mitch Trubisky, uh, I think a good tight end is what a quarterback like Trubisky needs. Uh, right. And Burton is that guy. He They paid him like a top 10 tight end. Um, I expect them to use him like one. And I think he's going to have a breakout season. Yeah, you know, Burton last year, obviously in the Super Bowl, he threw the touchdown. That an asshole. Um, he he was just an athletic player and played well when Ertz was out in spurts. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of put it all together and put together a consistent 16-game season. Because rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, love having that safety blanket tight end going over the middle. Um, I don't expect Burton to have, you know, 90 catches for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns like Gronk or something like that. But he's he has the chance to be a solid, you know, low-end tight end one, finish with like 60 catches, 800 yards, and five to six touchdowns. That's pretty much – I have him in the 65 catch range, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but uh, right where you're saying. And I think touchdowns will be a um, a place where he can he can excel. Yeah. Seven or eight touchdowns yeah. I, I think are, are possible. Right. Speaking of a touchdown score, you have another tight end that you like. Who is it? I like Jimmy Graham. 
Um, what? Research. Say what? Uh, with, I just am excited to see him play with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be huge. Jimmy Graham was great uh, when he was with Drew Brees. Uh, he wasn't as good in Seattle, but he was still a good player for a little while. Uh, but that's not a, an offense that really allowed him to excel all the time. Uh, but I think playing with Aaron Rodgers, and now that Jordy is gone too, mm-hmm. uh, Graham is going to be getting a lot of attention, getting a lot of targets, probably getting a lot of catches, and uh, I think he could be in line for a really good season playing with Rodgers. Tough career to go from Drew Brees to Russell Wilson and then to uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, now, I got a question. I mean, obviously – there is some concern because tight ends don't really bode well in the Green Bay system. We've never really seen a true tight end one. Everybody talks about Jermichael Finley, but all I remember about Jermichael Finley was drafting him way too early and expecting this awesome production and then never getting it. Uh, is that a concern for you at all, that the tight end just isn't really a huge focal point in the Green Bay offense? I'm not concerned by it in this situation because Jimmy Graham is not – your typical tight end. In fact, yeah. he tried telling us that he should he should be considered a wide receiver, right? Uh, right. And that may be how they use him. Um, I think he could be he could be used in that capacity. And, and scoring touchdowns is kind of where I'm focused here. Uh, I think that Graham could score a lot of touchdowns. Rogers throws touchdowns more efficiently than anybody in the league. Um, you you lose Jordy Nelson, who was one of his go to guys. Uh, I think Graham comes in very nicely to take over that role. He scored double-digit touchdowns in four or five of his seasons. Um, I could see double-digit touchdowns this year. For sure. No, I, I could definitely see the touchdowns. It's You hope that the, the catches and the yards will be there. But, you know, we're talking Green Bay. What do you make of the whole Green Bay cutting Jordy just to sign uh, Jimmy Graham? Is that Do they make out in the long run with that swap? That swap? I think they do only because I feel like Graham has more football left in him than Jordy does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it comes down to ultimately. Um, they're going to give. They're not the same player. They play different positions, but they're going to give you similar things. Um, and Green Bay has played without Jordy uh, while he was injured for a while, and, and they were they were fine. Um, so I think that they saw the end near for Jordy. And maybe a little bit longer shelf life on Jimmy, and that's the move they made. And I think it's probably the, the right one. Although you hate to see Jordy leave Green Bay, um, right? He just fits the the, the nice, the nice the, the the white guy who doesn't say anything and it just produces in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He's like a legend there. He is, and I don't think he's gonna. I, I don't have very much value on him in in Oakland. Really? Uh, no, I don't. See, I I think I disagree with you on on. On that whole everything, everything. Uh, really. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Um, with with Jordy Nelson, you know, last year uh, before, so he was recovering from the ACL. He got hurt at the end of 2016, and then 2017 was his first year back. He didn't miss any serious time, but over the the first four weeks, yeah. So the first four weeks, call it, uh, Aaron Rodgers got hurt in week five. Jordy also uh, actually missed week two due to quad injury, but in Three games, he had 19 catches for 230 yards and six touchdowns. So I think that 
that's a pretty good 16-game stat line. I mean, you're going to be right in his normal numbers of 80-ish catches for close to 1,300 yards. Obviously, he's not going to keep up that touchdown rate. But I I don't know if Jordy's so much slowed down or if he was just a product of Brett Hundley sucking, the backup quarterback last year for Green Bay. I know, obviously, Devontae Adams still was solid. But for whatever reason, Hundley trusted Adams more than Nelson and – it just seems like to me that Jordy wasn't a product of him slowing down, but just of the system taking a step back with Hundley under center versus Rodgers. So with that being said, you know I don't know if he's going to then go to Oakland and all of a sudden be the Jordy of 2010, 11, 12, 13 when he was a stud. But I still think it's more probable than not that he will still be a solid wide receiver, you know, high-end wide receiver too. Uh, that can put up solid numbers because John Gruden, you know, as long as he still knows what he's talking about, and I think he does, he produces really good offenses. Mm-hmm. I, I think Amari Cooper is going to take a step forward. Carr is going to take a step forward. And now I think Jordy Nelson is going to go back to his normal ways of just being just a, a really good fantasy player for at least a year. Now, to your point, does that mean that he's got a longer shelf life than Jimmy Graham? Probably not. So maybe it is a net positive for the the Packers. But I just think that you got you you got a wide receiver and a quarterback who are best friends, and it's worked for so long. It's not like you don't have a shot at the Super Bowl next year if you're Green Bay. Why are you messing with that? Why are you adding that bad juju into the offense? I guess that that's my only point on it, really. Well. You might be right, but from a fantasy perspective, and again, it could be the Hundley situation, very possible. Uh, Jordy Nelson did not exceed five and a half fantasy points from week six on. Right. It's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> and he only caught he caught less than sixty percent of his targets, so he wasn't he wasn't very efficient. Uh, he wasn't very productive, um, and maybe it was the quarterback situation, but maybe some of it had to do with Jordy. Yeah. No, we'll see. Coming off significant injuries. Yeah, but but yeah, but again, I go back to the first the first four weeks, week one, three, and four, where he was producing like he always did. But you're you're right. I I hear you. I mean, maybe towards the end of the season, he tailed off. He got tired. His his just knee wasn't reacting like it used to because it wasn't fresh. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in Oakland. Uh, Yeah. Because obviously now you go with the older Jordy Nelson over Michael Crabtree. The money was the same. Crabtree went to the Ravens. Apparently he was a bit of an, an issue in the locker room last year. Now are the Raiders better off having Jordy Nelson over Michael Crabtree? All right, here's a, here's a game for you. Ooh. Keep, keep one, cut one, trade one. Jordy, Jimmy, and Crabtree. So basically it's MFK, but... Yeah, exactly. Okay. For the, for the <laughs> Dynasty kids. For the Dynasty kids. Keep one... Trade one, cut one? Yes. I would trade Jimmy Graham. I would keep Michael Crabtree. There it is. You're cutting Jordy. I, I cut Jordy. You're doing Damn the it. same thing the, pe- the Packers Shit. did. Shit. <laughs> well, folks, I, I my, said, my work here is done, folks. <laughs> I think ah, – see – it is tough with Crabtree and Jordy because I feel like with Crabtree in that big year he had two years ago where he scored a bunch of touchdowns, how many times did he have multi-TD games? 
where he just had games where he was awesome, and then for two weeks he did nothing. Yeah. Right? I, that's my only thing with Crabtree in Oakland. However, in Baltimore, they got nobody. He's nobody. gonna get 13, 14, 15 targets a game. Yep. And this goes back to my, you know, I, I was high on Jeremy Macklin last year, which didn't work out very well for me. But it was and, and actually Danny Woodhead, because of the fact that the Ravens had nobody else to throw to, they just happened to bring on two guys that were past their prime and couldn't stay healthy. Is Crabtree past his prime? Because he can stay healthy, but is he past his prime? That's that's the question. So in 2016, he caught 90 balls for a thousand yards. That's just two years ago. Well, that's egg on my face then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, okay. Now last year, not not so much. But right, right. He was brutal last year. But I guess my it was my point that I, I just remember having Michael Crabtree, or or at least seeing. Um, Michael Crabtree in fantasy, and I never felt good about having him on my team, or I never targeted him because I just it, it felt like consistency is a is a is a r- risk r- there. Right, right. And in 2016, yeah. So I just, I'm pulling up his numbers real quick here. Um, okay, yeah, he was very consistent in 2016. He was very good. You're right. But You're right. that's that. with 10 targets a game, you know, almost. Which right. He's probably going to see that in Baltimore. Now you got Joe Flacco, who he stinks. Right, not yes. a good quarterback. Very true. No. <laughs> so that could be that could be a problem as well. But <laughs> we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Um, real quick before we go into our overvalue players, uh, Austin Severian Jenkins, the Jaguars. What the hell is that? What's he? I mean, good for him. He got paid, but like again, it goes back to a. Um, a better NFL move than a fantasy move because now yeah, Blake Bortles I think, is a I think on crappy program, quarterback I, who has five. I'm having some technical difficulties here, but <laughs> I think on this program, I guarantee that he wouldn't get paid, and he did. <laughs> so that's annoying. But well. I, I don't understand why anybody would pay ASJ, but Jacksonville does need a tight end. Uh, they can't rely on uh, Mercedes forever. I assume they would draft a tight end, but they're rolling with ASJ. Yeah, I mean, he's still young. He, he's off the sauce. He's done drinking. Um, so I guess maybe he'll uh, – he's got potential. It's just the problem is now they have five mediocre wide receivers and a mediocre tight end. It's just it's – they're just going to run the ball 40 yeah. times a game. It That's is all con- they have to it do. It is confusing what they're what they're doing over there. Yeah, uh, I can't can't figure it out, and I and I need to figure out how I can value Marquise Lee, and I don't I don't really know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially in a so the league that Steve has him, or one, actually you have him in both leagues. I do. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm all in on Marquise Lee. You are. You are. <laughs> He's he, Marquise Lee to you is Jeremy Hill to me. Yeah. Um, he, you know, in a PPR league, he's got value. In the half PPR league, it's kind of, eh, you know, wh- where does he really, what's he really going to get you? Um, but, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out between, you know, they signed Marquise Lee to a big deal, and then they um, they signed Dante Moncrief to a deal, too, which that tells me that by signing those two guys to fill essentially Allen Robinson's void, Robinson did not want to be in Jacksonville. Just It's just clear to me that he did not want to be there because they could have given him the same money that he got in Chicago and instead they spent that on on two mediocre wide receivers so 
once Jacksonville, once they finally make a great move, they they go and f it up by by signing Dante Moncrief. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have some dynasty drafts coming up here. We have redrafts coming up this summer. After free agency, some of the guys we talked about were some of the guys that just moved teams in the past week or so. Who do you got that's going to be overvalued um, on on draft day? I have two of the guys that we've already talked about, but I think McKinnon is going to be overvalued. Uh, I think people are going to be drafting him like he's a, a quality RB1 potentially, and I, I don't see that. Uh, so I think he's going to be overvalued. And I think Paul Richardson might be overvalued just on hype alone. Uh, he's going to Washington. He got a big contract. People have always talked about his athleticism. I think people might get excited about the fact that he now has a little bit more opportunity. Uh, although I really don't think that he does, but there's, there's probably a perceived opportunity there. Um, so I think that he'll be valued higher than he probably should be. I can see Paul Richardson being a major bust. Yeah, for sure. I can see that too. Uh, just another long line of, of Washington Redskins free agency busts. <laughs> um, I, so we talked about Jarek McKinnon. I think he's overpaid, overvalued. Uh, the, what he's going for in trade right now is absolutely ridiculous. You know how much I love him. But Jimmy Garoppolo's fantasy value in one quarterback, two quarterback dynasty redraft leagues, anybody I'm talking to is saying this guy is like, you know, the second coming. He's going to put up Tom Brady's numbers next year. And listen, I want to believe that. I'm, I'm a Jimmy Garoppolo truther. I'm a fan. <laughs> he did great things with absolutely nothing to work with last year. But the problem is, is the Niners have only brought in Jarek McKinnon. I mean, they re they re-signed uh, Marcus Goodwin, uh, Marquise Goodwin, the 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 outside wide receiver, but they missed out on Watkins. They missed out on Allen Robinson. They don't have a tight end. I mean, unless you really like George Kittle, I think's okay. But until I see them get him a solid veteran wide receiver, I'm not touching Jimmy Garoppolo at the current value that he's at. Yeah, I mean, even even the best stocks overheat, right? Right. So I think we are reaching peak Garoppolo. Yeah. Status here. Yeah. I mean, I moved him. I moved him in our dynasty league, our salary cap league, for the ninth rookie pick, and we talked about this on on your first episode with us. And I thought that was an absolute steal when it came down to it. I couldn't believe, especially the guy I was trading with, who's a shrewd negotiator. Yeah. The only thing is, uh, so he may be being overvalued, but I think we both agree he's still going to be a really good, a really good player. Right. Um, so right. At least you don't have a bust. True. Risk there. I don't think. Um, True. But, yeah, overvalued, I think, yes. Uh, This guy will probably not be super expensive on draft day, but the fact that he's going to get drafted or people might give up value for him in trade is just asinine. We need Jonathan Stewart to go away. So I'm going to disagree. Whoa, okay. (laughs) Jonathan Stewart. Six. Well, I don't – he's not great. (laughs) He's 30. He's not great, but he did have uh, 200 carries last year. He scored six touchdowns, 700 yards rushing. Oh, wow. Um, Three and a half yards a carry. That's awesome. Yeah, so it wasn't great, but he's going (laughs) to have plenty of opportunities, right? Unless the Giants take uh, Saquon. Yeah. uh, He's getting carries. I think he's getting carries. Well, what's he going to do with them? Get you 700 yards again? Well, but we're talking about being overvalued, right? Yeah. so, 
Currently, he's available <laughs> as a free agent man in our <laughs> dynasty league, which we have a very deep, deep dynasty league. Point to taken, have a player that, that we're discussing like this to be just randomly available is very unusual. Um, so it's, he's it's literally more... available to add, and you're probably going to get, you know, six, seven touchdowns. And so, is he really overvalued? Well, it's just more to the fact where I led into this that just go away, Jonathan Stewart. For we've been waiting, you know, like he had the one year we had like 70 catches or something like that, but he just never put together a full season yet. He just always lingers like an old wet fart or something like that. It's just Jonathan, ah, oh, Jonathan Stewart, go away. Go last away. Last three seasons, last three seasons, he's been between seven and 900 yards and six and nine touchdowns, like clockwork. That is, that's playable in our league. Yeah, but he was getting. But in those seasons, he was getting drafted in the fifth, sixth round, and he was not coming back on that value. No, where do you think he's getting drafted now? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> then he's I not. Mean, un- then he's not overvalued. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think you'll probably see him if the the Giants don't take Saquon, you're going to see him go seventh round probably in redraft leagues. And you think he should be undrafted. No, okay, I don't think he should be undrafted. Burris did once say that Kelvin Benjamin should be undrafted, so I'm not going to go to that extreme. <laughs> I think that he should be drafted as like your fifth running back because he literally will not win you a game. He just will be there to score you six or seven points. That's what he does. Yeah, he's an emergency that's not good. plug-in. Right, right. Yeah. That, that I agree with. Who do you got that's undervalued next year in fantasy? Undervalued? Well, we already talked about Carlos Hyde, and I, I believe he will be undervalued um, because people love to hate on Carlos Hyde, uh, yeah. and that will continue. And I and I feel, already talked about why I think he's got good opportunity in Cleveland. But it's a combination where people love to hate on Carlos Hyde, and people love to hate on the Cleveland Browns. Right, it's a perfect match for everybody to just really <laughs> downgrade Hyde, uh, and he'd be undervalued in that case. And I'm sticking in Cleveland too. I think that Tyrod Taylor. Whoa! Is going to be undervalued. How about this for a hot take? Tyrod okay. could be a Hold top on, time 10. Hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out. Okay, let's hear it. Tyrod Taylor, top 10 fantasy quarterback in 2018. Shut up. Just shut up. Just go away. <laughs> just, just go hang out on an island with Jonathan Stewart and farting. Go away. Shut up. If Tyrod Taylor amasses 4,000 total yards and 26 total touchdowns, yeah, he'd be in the top 10. So what's what's our what's our gentleman's agreement or gentleman's bet going to be about about Tyrod Taylor not being a top ten quarterback next year? Let's make it top twelve. I say top, top 12. twelve. Okay, QB one. All right, we will let the people know what we end up betting on, what the uh, agreement will be. But I don't think Tyrod Taylor will be a top twelve quarterback. I think he will be a top twenty quarterback. You know, maybe in the fifteen to eighteen range, but. I'm not going with top 12. He's top Tyrod 12, Taylor. baby. Top 12. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When was the last top 12 quarterback in Cleveland? Brian Hoyer before he got hurt? He might. He was playing well. I don't know if he was top 12 or not. But. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to stick with a, uh, not a Clevelander, but he was a former Clevelander. Uh, I'm going to say Isaiah Crowell. Should be pretty cheap this offseason. He's going to get 20 touches a game minimum. They got nothing else there besides Bilal Powell, um, Josh McCown. I mean, the only reason why he might not see the ball is if the Jets are playing from behind. 
But uh, somehow Josh McCown finds a way to light up the scoreboard, and uh, there could be an opportunity for the Jets to surprise some people and, and Crowell possibly to, to, to get those 20 touches. And, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. He was obviously misused in Cleveland last year, and, um, you know, the Jets do want to run the ball. So I like, I like Crowell next year. And then I think Keenum is pretty much – all but free in Denver, and with two solid wide receivers to throw to, um, C.J. Anderson being a decent running back if he's still there next year. I like Case Keenum as a low end QB one. I'm not. I'm not drafting him anywhere other okay. than like the maybe this th- is the fifteenth round. Keenum okay. versus Tyrod. Who will have Ooh, points? I would love to take that bet. I would love to take that bet. Yeah, well, okay, that's the new one. Keenum versus Tyrod <laughs> next year. We'll put it up on the Twitter handle at Glory Podcast. We'll put up our uh, a poll to see what the listeners think, too. But uh, I'm pro Keenum. Steve's pro Tyrod Taylor. So we'll, we'll definitely get that uh, get that up there. It'll be very interesting love to track it. next year. Uh, and I know that the I mean the text back and forth anytime a big play happens. I mean, hopefully we don't forget about this bet. You know, in six months when the season kicks off, I but, forget nothing. Um. I forget nothing. <laughs> so Unless I'm losing, then I conveniently right. forget forget <laughs> <Yeah>. it all. <laughs> but I'll remind you when you're losing. Though. Yes, you know exactly. There's no way we're gonna forget this bet. <laughs> uh, any other takeaways from NFL free agency so far? Things that uh, surprised you? Things that you expected? Things that you're looking forward to? Uh, I guess the takeaway that I have at this point is that there's still some players unsigned. Yeah. Uh, still some decent players unsigned. Um, and I'm very curious to see where they go. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering why they haven't signed yet, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. What's going on with Terrell Pryor? How about that? Did you see him last year? He sucked. <laughs> I would have thought what's going Cle- on? Cleveland would have what? signed him by now. Right. Well, what's going on with Jordan Matthews? 25 years old, still, I mean. Did you see him last he- year? He sucked. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> no, but I—I I mean, I don't think Jordan Matthews is all that great. I think that he was force-fed in, in Philadelphia, and that's why he put up all the big numbers. But he's still 25, unless his knees are st- are shot. Why is he not getting picked? Like the Colts, the Colts would be perfect for him to play the slot. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's surprising to me that that he hasn't. Not only has he not been signed, but I haven't even heard any rumors about him being signed. Right? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about him. So, and uh, even uh, though he's a little older, I'm still kind of surprised that nobody's kicked the tires on Mike Wallace. Well, there's the rumors that he might uh, re-sign with with Baltimore, oh, okay. which I think it's a per- I think it's actually a really good fit, um, a good fit to run alongside Crabtree. But then you got like Eric Decker, who's still available. Kendall Wright, who had a decent year last year, not great, but he's got some potential. Um, Eric Ebron was cut, 24-year-old tight end. Uh, Where's he going to go? Martellus Bennett, is he going to retire? Is he going to play? So I agree there's a lot of names out there, and the second wave of free agency should really be interesting. But um, I think we can both agree, though, that the Patriots won free agency by bringing in Jeremy Hill. And uh, also, did you see this? Did you hear this? They traded for Cordero Patterson today, too? I did hear that, and that is intriguing <laughs> to me. Uh, if for nothing else, I like I said earlier, I don't forget anything. And uh, <laughs> our very own Mark Zustin sent me some berating text messages last season <laughs> when I traded Malcolm Mitchell uh, because – or no, sorry, Philip Dorsett. It was Philip yes. Dorsett. Uh, right. Because I was obviously an idiot for not seeing that Philip Dorsett was the next uh, big player for the Patriots. Yeah, how'd that and work out? <laughs> I feel like Cordell Patterson is uh, is going to get more run than uh, than Dorsett. 
I, d- I think that uh, Patterson's going to be nothing more than a special teams guy returner. They need somebody to, to fill in for Dion Lewis. Um, Bill Belichick loves gimmick players. He does. He does. And Patterson I mean, def- is a perfect gimmick player. You'll probably see him somewhere on the field at times, but I don't think the targets are going to be there behind you know Brandon Cooks, Gronk, um, Over, Edelman. under, three offensive touches per game. Oh, under, under. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking three. <laughs> a player I thought they were going to take a look at was actually Tavon Austin on a, some sort of reduced deal. Speaking of gadget players, but yeah, he uh, he redid his deal and re-signed with the Rams, so he's staying with them, which was which is a little bit surprising. But um, yeah, good talk tonight, Stevo. Um, we'll continue all this free agency, uh, NFL draft coming up. The Zustin Bros, Rue, Farkas, and the the new addition to the podcast, Kevin, um, are going to make sure they they keep you lo- locked in with all that information. Uh, they did a great job last week talking about the Browns, and, and we talked more macro here with with the rest of the NFL. Now it's going to impact your fantasy team as well as the NFL teams next year. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast as we update our Twitter handle with all the latest signings and our instant analysis to uh, not only the fantasy football but the NFL uh, aspect of it. And also on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Be sure to rate us five stars. Tell us how awesome we are. Uh, remind Steve about uh, Case Keenum being better than Tyrod Taylor in the comments, please. And uh, keep on checking back at negpodcast.com as we update the blog almost daily. Uh, we got a new website coming out, which with a new website hopefully is going to mean new T-shirts, new swag too. So keep an eye out for that here at the Never Ending Glory Podcast. So Steve Arino, uh, wonderful talking to you as always on this glorious Sunday where uh, I'm, I'm trying to escape the St. Paddy's Day hangover. But um, if you saw me right now, the hood's up. I'm really tired looking. It doesn't look good. No, it's not a good site. So um, thank you very much for joining us tonight, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.